This is Five on Three. Center ice for all things Islanders, Rangers, and all news across the NHL on WFUV Sports. Five on Three, WFUV is an NHL podcast back for another week Thursday, February 3rd, 2022. Thomas Quigley, Tyler Mooney. I'm Chris Hennessy. Um, Tyler, I'm sorry I subjected you to maybe the worst hockey game of all time last night. Yeah, uh, that was a rough game for the eyes to watch. Islanders lost 3 nothing to the Kraken in what was probably one of the more uneventful hockey games I've ever watched in person or on television. But at least the Kraken got going in the third period, so there was some excitement. But yeah, rough game for the Islanders, to say the least. At least I didn't pay money to go to the game like one of the fans. I, I felt bad for all the Islander fans that were in attendance last night. Yeah, that was a rough one, and we'll get to the Islanders in a minute. But we're going to start with the Rangers, Quigs, who beat the Panthers five to two, uh, and that I, you know, we've just kept saying that they're so good, they're so good, and doing it on the backs of Igor Shesterkin. Now Igor gets to rest for a little bit. Obviously, we talked about him not making the All Star game, and they have a couple weeks off or a week and a half off um, after the break because they've barely had any COVID postponements. So, big break for all the Rangers here. Yeah, two full weeks uh, from the. February 1st, February 15th. Um, so I am out of a job for the next two weeks, but uh, <laughs> Tuesday was a lot of fun. It was my first game back uh, as a fan since I think freshman year. Um, and, you know, the Rangers have been pretty awful in the time since, but, you know, the season's been a completely different story. And that was a huge win for them Tuesday after Sunday. I mean, obviously they got the win, but they very nearly lost to a much inferior Kraken team, or at least they gave up a game time goal with seconds left. So, uh, or minutes left, but um, so that was a huge win for them to get on the backs of that very poor performance against a, a Florida team. That's just so amazing at scoring. I mean, the entire first 30 minutes of the game, they were kind of just dominating the Rangers. The Rangers are on their heels the entire time. Um, and they kind of just, you know, waited it out, killed some major penalties, and then, you know, were able to find the net a few times. And that's really all it took. Chris Kreider leads the NHL in goals. And what can you say about that, man? <laughs> he's, he's been on fire. He's been on fire. I mean, going into that Panthers game, I honestly wasn't feeling that confident. It's been a – it had been a rough few games before that for the Rangers. I think it had been like two, three straight games. They had blown 2 nothing leads. And then, obviously, they got bailed by Keandre Miller in the Kraken game and by Igor Shesterkin. They should not have won that game, but that's what happens when you have one of the, if not the best goal in the league, you're going to win some games that you probably shouldn't. And they went down early. Like you said, Quiggs, they got outplayed the first half of the game, but to see them be able to, to bounce back and, and have such a def- decisive final score, that's going to be real big for them. And it's great to go into the break off of uh, moving off some great momentum and just have a good feeling going into the break and a much needed break for, a lot of these players, namely Igor Shesterkin, since he has been working his tail off lately. Yeah, he, he definitely has. And a bunch of those guys go into the All-Star game. We'll see what skills competitions they're in. Um, I think Kreider's in fastest skater. I think that was already announced. And Fox isn't. Isn't Fox fast? I don't know. Whatever. It's stupid. Fox, is he? Even, I don't even think Fox is going now. because Oh, because he's hurt. Uh, duh. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. He, upper body injury for Adam Fox. He's missed the last couple games. There seems to be very minimal concern. Uh, as they well, seems like he'll be back, I guess is my point. Uh, in two weeks, on February fifteenth, as Quiggs mentioned, 
Um, moving down to the island, the Islanders stink. Uh, I think it's pretty much over now. I said that they had to win all four games, Philly, L.A., Minnesota, and the Kraken. Uh, they long won one of those. They lost the other three. <clears throat> uh, excuse me. Yeah, they're really bad. Uh, terrible game last night where there was just no offensive energy. Uh, the game against Ottawa – or Ottawa, they won as well. So they went two and two and three in their last five games, I should say. Uh, they beat Ottawa four to one. I mean, they were fine. They weren't great. They were fine. Uh, and they kind of got bailed out by Sorokin in the first period. And Sorokin, I think, is is starting to break a little bit here. I mean, he's been fantastic this season. And you, you kind of mentioned it with Shesterkin where he had, you know, a couple games that were just okay. Sorokin has kind of been that way at, uh, too. And But he's been carrying this team to, to as high as they can go with all the injuries, Tyler. I mean uh, – this team, I think, is is ready to fire sale this at the trade deadline now. Yeah, it's it's certainly looking that way. I mean, we the, it, it seems like we've been kind of holding off the inevitable in large part due to the fact that they're finally getting healthy now and they have this games in hand advantage on all the teams ahead of them. But playing the way they played the last few games, it, it it's just it's way too inconsistent on the offensive side of the ice. And like you mentioned, Sorokin's been doing all he can for most of the season, but there's only so much that he can do. I mean, just going back the last week, two weeks, I went to the game versus Toronto. They only scored one goal that game. They struggled mightily. You went to the game versus LA, Chris, where they didn't get anything into the last few minutes of the game. And then obviously last night was, was probably the worst offensive performance they've had all season. So, I mean, it goes without saying, if you don't score any goals, you're not going to win the game. And just the, the inconsistency that has seemed to plague this team throughout the entire course of the season. Obviously they haven't been healthy and they're finally getting healthy now, but it's just, I think it's just a fact it's, it's too little too late. And unless they go on like a five, six game winning streak at a minimum coming out of this break, I think, yeah, it's pretty much curtains on the season. It'll be interesting to do, see what they do at the deadline because it's not like they have a ton of movable contracts either. Yeah. I was going to ask, who do you think is, you know, at the top of that list? Barley's gone. I think he's he's an, he's as good as an Edmonton Oiler at this point. Uh, Clutterbuck maybe, um, per you say potentially. Uh, Did you get any for Chara? I don't know. No, I mean probably not. Probably not. I hated the excuse of Pulak is back now. Great, yeah. Missed eleven weeks with a four to six week injury, and they're out of the playoffs by the time he comes back. Not his fault, but um, they put down Sallow to the taxi squad because he's waiver exempt. But Chara's a traffic cone out there. No, nobody's taking him even for free. So, and yeah. if you lose him on waivers, so what? You save an eight hundred thousand yeah. dollars. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me because at this point, there's no point playing Zidane Chara and Andy Green every day to me. And at this point, there's no point in paying Josh Bailey with Matt Barzell because Josh Bailey's old. He's going to retire soon. Might as well throw Oliver Wallstrom in there because he can actually score. Um. Barry Trotz has been quite critical of Oliver Wallstrom's game, and it ticks me off every single time, as Tyler knows, uh, because I I was so frustrated the other day when he's just criticizing Wallstrom's game. He's the only guy who shows up offensively in my eyes besides Barzell. Um, but, yeah, to answer your question in a long-winded way, there's not a lot, as Tyler mentioned. Um, you know, Pelic and Pulak are great, but do you wish you didn't sign them now? That's the question. Because is it time to just blow this whole thing up because they're so old that – there's no chance they get back there next year. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's tough to answer, but I do think they're getting a first-round pick from Edmonton for Marlon. I think that's pretty much a done deal at this point. 
that'll be good for them. I mean, but yeah, the other names you mentioned, you're not, you're not fetching much for them. So I think this deadline is going to be, I mean, you trade Varlamov hopefully and maybe one or two other pieces, but the, the real work on this team needs to be done in the off season because there are no, there are no easy fixes. This isn't a team like, you know, I know we're going to talk about Philadelphia coming up. Philadelphia has a lot of expiring contracts, especially on the defense. That's a team where if you wanted, you could have kind of a quick retool. You don't really have that with the Islanders. You have a lot of guys that are locked up for multiple years. So if you want to make a change, you're going to need to make like a big trade. You're going to need to, you can't really, there's, there's not many holes in the lineup in terms of contracts expiring or guys moving on that are going to open up just by themselves. So it's going to be really interesting to see what Lou does at the end of the year. And, and, and it's going to be interesting to see how they finish the season. Cause you know, say they get really hot at the end of the season, even if they don't make the playoffs, you can say, okay, well, they finally got healthy and they finally started playing well. Maybe we can take another kick at this next year. But obviously, if they continue to play the way they've been playing, it might be a better option to just blow it up or at least some version of blowing it up. Yeah, yeah, I definitely would agree. And um, been a tough, tough sledding for them. They'll head out west after the all-star break they're going to vancouver how about this for a nationally televised game islanders at vancouver at 10 30 on a wednesday night that's a that's a must watch lock it in on tnt uh oh yeah there's a big one then a back-to-back edmonton and calgary then they come home Uh, they have buffalo and boston after that so two weeks from today i'll be at the game against boston be nice to have a you said you said you're without a job we are too two weeks from today they're at boston the next uh game at ubs um, the Devils stink. They gave up like 10 straight goals to the Leafs over two games. Sorry, James, our producer, Devils fan, yelled at me, as you remember, because uh, I was being too, uh, too kind to the Devils. Uh, they stink, and they're going to trade everybody. Okay, moving on to the Philadelphia Flyers. Another team who stinks is going to trade anybody, is going to trade everybody, excuse me. But I think it's much more interesting. Um, they <laughs> Chuck Fletcher had a press conference last week. Uh, Tyler, that I'm, I'm sure you, you, you're aware of because of your Philadelphia roots, uh, where he basically said everybody is going to get everybody's on the table, uh, which would include Rasmus Ristolainen, who they're not going to get a first round pick for unless Chuck Fletcher uh, duplicates himself and makes himself the general manager in another team. Uh, so this is going to be really fun because I don't like Philadelphia sports, as you know, and um, I'm enjoying this. Yeah, it's certainly going to be interesting. I mean, talk about a rough season coming into this year. They obviously, in the bubble, they were a game away from going to the Eastern Conference Finals, and they didn't make the playoffs last year. But coming into this year, I, I know at least I had them making a wild card. I'm not sure what everyone else had. But th- no one thought they were going to be this bad. I mean, they've had two separate 10-plus game losing streaks, which is insane to think about, especially when you think there's still, like, 35 games left in the season. So they could easily pull off another one. But the thing with the Flyers, are they this bad? I don't think so. They've had a lot of injuries Couturier's out for the year. He's missed a lot of time. Ryan Ellis, who was their big acquisition this offseason, he's out for the rest of the year. He's barely played for them. Um, Joel Farabee's been hurt. Kevin Hayes has been hurt. So, I mean, these are these are massive players for the Philadelphia Flyers. You can't really expect them to do to, to reach the expectations they had without these guys in the lineup. And I mean, Claude Giroux is obviously the number one name of any team in the NHL at the trade deadline this year. So you got to think that he's probably as good as gone. He just needs to waive his no move clause. So you would think the Flyers would be able to catch or fetch quite a haul for him. And then 
just this offseason similar to how it is going to be very interesting for the Flyers because they do have a lot of UFAs. You just mentioned Ristolainen. He's a UFA. I feel like they're going to kind of have to re-sign him just based off the fact they gave up so much for him. But other guys like Keith Yandel, Justin Braun, they're all UFAs. So the Flyers' defense seems to be their main issue, and they will have an opportunity to retool it if they wish, but it's certainly been a brutal season for them so far. So my brother lives in Philly. Um, he's grown up a Boston sports fan, as have I, uh, and he doesn't really care about hockey at all. But two weeks ago today, he went to a Flyers game because the tickets are dirt cheap, and uh, that was their 10th loss in a row. I think during the third <laughs> period, he FaceTimed me, and I was in like a crowded restaurant, so I couldn't like hear what he, what he was trying to say, but then he sent me a video, and the boos from the fans were just so loud. Uh, like you couldn't even like hear like the music playing. It was, it was, it's a tough scene in Philly. And um, no, I mean, like it's time to time to break everything up and it's, it's uh, not a good start for a new coach. Um, and with Claude Giroux, obviously he's a, a Philly guy or he's not a Philly guy, but he has been a Philly guy since he entered the league and he's kind of the, the face of that franchise. So that'll be a tough move to make if that, if they end up trading him, but um it's uh, it, no, it's definitely not where the Flyers want to be right now. Yeah, if they retain fifty percent on on Giroux, it will be the biggest uh, trade of the deadline, I think, unless Klingberg gets the extension he wants, because that could be a huge haul as well. Uh, to me, I think two spots really fit Giroux the best, and it's Boston in the East and Minnesota in the West. I don't think that Philly is going to trade with Boston necessarily. I, I don't. Sometimes I don't know if that's overblown the whole don't trade in division thing or. Uh, if it's not that big of a deal, but if I had to pick right now, I'd see, I'd pick Minnesota, but Boston seems like a pretty good fit too. Tyler, what do you think? Yeah, I would probably lean Minnesota as well, just because, I mean, imagine, obviously Flyers fans are going to be happy if Claude Giroux wins the Stanley Cup, no matter where he is, but that would be really unfortunate to see Drew win in Boston if you're a Philadelphia fan. And they're going to want to send him to a team where he's going to have a legitimate chance to win a Stanley Cup. Whether that's the Bruins this year, I'm not sure. I would say Minnesota might have a better chance than Boston. I've seen him maybe linked with Colorado. I don't know what their cap situation is and how they would make that work. But, I mean, if it did, the rich get richer. That would be just something if Giroux went to Colorado and they would definitely be the favorites for the Cup. So we'll see what they do. Um, I've seen some things that say Giroux would be, you know, open to – re-signing back in Philly at the end of the year. I know we get that every single time, like a popular player gets traded the deadline. But from what I understand, it might actually be a little bit more likely with this one just because, I mean, Claude Giroux, you said it, Quakes. He is the face of the Philadelphia Flyers in the 21st century. He's been with them forever. He's been their best player forever. Without him, (laughs) they haven't really achieved much this decade, but without him, they probably don't achieve anything. So it'll be interesting to see where he ends up, and hopefully the Flyers are able to get a good haul for him because he's – one of the sneaky underrated players in the league, I think, probably just a product of the team he plays on is never really that good, but he consistently shows up every single night and it'll be a treat to watch him hopefully play for a contender. Should be noted that he will be playing in the All-Star game, filling in for Alexander Ovechkin. That is true. Alex Ovechkin got COVID, so he's out of the All-Star game. Really opens up the hardest shot competition if you're uh, more yeah. in the skills competition like I am. Now that I, I also love Giroux and Anaheim. I think that that Anaheim team is so much fun. Drew's pretty likable. I like Drew and Anaheim too. That could be fun. I don't know if they're going to go all in this deadline. You know, might take a first round pick, but um, 
we will we'll definitely be monitoring that as the trade deadline gets closer, about a month and a half away. Uh, speaking of press conferences, this was a town hall more um, of the Chicago. Look at look at we're already la- I mean, it's it's unbelievable. This team cannot stay out of the news. We just need to add the Arizona Coyotes. And this is like this is just an evergreen podcast of 2021, 2022. I'm talking, of course, about the Chicago Blackhawks. We lost last night to the Minnesota Wild five to nothing uh, on national television. And that was the second most embarrassing. I saw the tweet second most embarrassing thing that happened to the franchise in the 24 hour period. Uh, if you didn't see it, uh, it's got 2 million view- views on Twitter. We're going to play it in a second. This is Rocky Wirtz. Uh, first, you're going to hear the athletics, Mark Lazarus. Uh, and then you're going to hear the answer from owner and chairman of the Chicago Blackhawks, Rocky Wirtz. I think much of what happened to Kyle Beach stemmed from a, a power imbalance between a coach and a player and the powerlessness of a player in that situation. So what are the Blackhawks doing? What have the Blackhawks done? What will the Blackhawks do to empower a player in a similar situation to make sure that doesn't happen again? I'm going to answer the question at the end. I think the report speaks for itself. The people that were involved are no longer here. We're not looking back at 2010. We're looking forward. And we're not going to talk about 2010. I'm we're, not about I, I know, and I'm not either. And we're not going to talk about what happened. We're moving forward. That is my answer. Now, what's your next question? I can pick up to what we are doing today. And I think no, I don't know. That's none of your business. That's none of your business. What we're going to do today is our business. I don't think it's any of your business. How is it not my business? Because I don't think it's any of your business. You don't work for the company. If someone in the company asks that question, we'll answer it. And I think you should get on to the next subject. We're not going to talk about Kyle Beach. We're not going to talk about anything that happened. Now we're moving on. What more do I have to say? You want to keep asking the same question? You hear the same answer? Okay, ask the next question. Okay, so that's number one. Uh, We'll talk about it in a second, I promise. But we got to play the second one too because it's almost – I actually think it's worse – this is Phil Thompson from the Chicago Chicago Tribune, and once again, Rocky Works. A little mystified here because uh, during the general block briefing, uh, you guys talked about a change in culture and transparency, and demonstrating the the, the new culture and values um, that are going to protect players and protect the organization uh, in the future. And it seems like the the second that we asked a question about that. Um, it, it, it's met with resistance. So I'm going to ask it again. I answered it. No, I don't. I, I answered it. And I told you to get off the subject. You didn't I'm not gonna, you we're not going to bring up the report. No, you I'm read not, it. We're not and, asking and, about the report. We're I know asking you're about talking about what the, what the report the was talking about. And I told you we're, we're moving on. Now, we're I don't like these. The I, I think you're out of line to ask this line future. of questions. Why don't you ask about something else? Why don't you ask about the GM? Okay, search? I will ask Why don't you about, do something else? Okay, I Why will do you ask bring about up old, old business? Some of the some of the uh, season ticket holders that I've talked to said that um, they're having trouble maintaining value on their resale because you know a lot of people. Is that paying, a fact? Selling, are you, are you, I, I didn't realize you're in our ticket part department. Okay. What come I'm on. saying is, well, come on. Could, Let's if, talk about all the negative stuff. When I talk about your negative. paper and, how, People, and, what, and what the sports page looks like, should I do that? No, these are dedicated. And you can't fans. even get our elite scores. Whole... Rocky, can I finish my my question? They say they want to uh, hold on because they value the Blackhawks, but they wanted to phrase some of the costs. You've seen that uh, attendance has been dipping. Uh, I want to ask why you think it's dipping and what can they do to maintain their value so when they renew a package, 
uh, they can defray some of their costs? That's a fair question. Yes, it is. So Jamie can answer that. All right, boys, there it is. Uh, I think the most interesting part of that comes in the first one right at the end when Rocky's son, the CEO, Danny Wirtz, tries to jump in and save his dad. He tries to tries to save him, but he just can't get out of his own way. Can he tie? That's yeah. important information. That's I had no idea that that was his son. Oh, so yeah, that's his kid. Yep, that, the that's- guy. So if you watch the video, the guy on the far left is when we're talking about Rocky Wirtz. The, the one second in from the right is his kid, Danny. That's the CEO who, if you remember all the way back to the general block press conference was the one who ran the whole thing. Rocky just sat there. Wonder why. <laughs> yeah, that was really bad. Um, there's, there's, I mean, there's so many parts of that even those two clips you showed one to start first, the, the one with Phil Thompson, I believe you said his name was when, when Rocky says like, Oh, why, why are we, why are we talking about all the negative stuff? It's like, well, there's only negative stuff to talk about with the Chicago Blackhawks. They've obviously had one of the worst scandals that the NHL has seen, and the team is complete garbage. And uh, you can see that they lost, they got killed last night, five nothing. But to see for Mark Lazarus, the the guy who asked the first question, he I believe he tweeted this after the fact too. It it was kind of a softball question. Like this was not the hardest question to answer you say oh well obviously we've taken the steps to remove everyone from the organization who was there when it happened we've done x y and z to, to help players in the future and blah 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 like there you go easy answer makes you look good everyone applauds and then we move on to the next question and instead rocky words decides to go on this rant and you can see everyone on the stage is like oh my god what are you doing what are you doing stop the woman next to him watch, watch the video again the woman mortified. next to him is staring straight ahead and she looks mortified see it in her eyes. They get wider as he keeps talking. It's like, Oh my God. And then Danny comes in to try and save it. And Rocky doubles down. He doubles oh. down and makes it even worse. And uh, I'll just finish with, it's easy to see how like these kinds of things, sexual abuse cases, and I'll even expand it to the cases of racism we've seen in hockey recently. It's easy to see how this kind of thing can exist in the culture of hockey. When you see, people answer questions like this because Rocky Wirtz is the owner of one of the most influential franchises in the NHL. And he's basically what he implicitly said was we dealt with it. We, we, the lawsuit, the report came out, we paid the settlement. Let's move on. Let's push this under the rug. And that's just seeing an answer like that. It, it makes it much more clear and out in the open, how stuff like this can exist. Yeah. Tyler, I think you hit the nail on the head there. I mean, the fact that, He's saying, oh, yeah, all those guys that swept this under the rug, we got rid of them. So let's sweep this under the rug yeah. more. Like, what? What are we doing? Uh, I mean, I, if this is just one guy who just, like, has no idea what he's talking about, who happens to be a board member, I okay, you could say that that's a thing. But, like, it does seem like it's it's a very much organizational problem that they just have not learned from their lesson at all. Like, you'd think that after this huge scandal comes out, uh, you lose your, your your head coach and your GM because obviously they have to go after that. Uh, and you still just haven't learned anything from it because you're answering a question that really has not much to do with the past, more like entirely has to do with the future. And you're just dismissing it as if it's just like a, a bashing question. Just like, I don't, I don't know. It, it's a really bad luck for a team that like, you know, obviously in the last decade has been, one of the most respected organizations in, in sports winning three cups. And obviously it's under a, a huge cloud now. And it, it's a, it's very good for all of us that we get to see like the actual dirt under the rug now, because 
you know, there's just no use glorifying a, an organization that literally can't stop shooting themselves in the foot. Yeah, and I I read um, Mark Lazarus's article he put up yesterday on the Athletic. I highly recommend it. It's pretty short, um, and it, he kind of takes you through the, his, the the history of Rocky Wirtz. Rocky Wirtz is a second generation owner of the Chicago Blackhawks. His dad was Bill Wirtz, uh, who he describes him. I guess his nickname was Dollar Bill Wirtz, and he uh, penny pinching uh, was the word described. He was cheap, apparently. Rocky Wirtz has poured a, a ton of money into this organization, hired John McDonough, um, got them to the glory. He was revered for those six years, 2010 and 2015. And then obviously up until this past year and, and he finishes that, that lead with all that goodwill is now gone, all of it. And yeah, it's, it's a terrible, terrible look. And both of those, both of those answers are just I don't I don't know how the NHL hasn't said anything. We're about ooh, quick math, uh, 18 hours a- after that happened. I don't know how the NHL has let this go unattended. I, I don't expect Rocky Wars to get suspended. I feel like kind of hard to suspend an owner. Um, finding him again seems seems to be uh, maybe the path you'd have to go, which is I don't know if an owner's ever gotten fined twice in a year like that before. Um but yeah, you you nailed it, Quicks. This felt like a guy who said, "Oh, I, in order to get the PR help that I need, I need to fire my friends and pay a whole bunch of money, and then nobody's ever going to ask me about it again." Uh, which is clearly not true, and not how it should work, and not how it does work, because Mark Lazarus and Phil Thompson are doing their jobs uh, and asking those questions. Um, and uh, kudos to them for for standing tough against basically a gazillionaire screaming at them uh, like a child. So um, definitely kudos to them. And uh, the Blackhawks rightfully got pounded last night at home in front of their own fans against their division rival. So karma is real, isn't it? So, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, last thing we wanted to mention was the Anaheim Ducks hiring their general manager, Pat Verbeek. Um, we talked about the Vancouver hirings last week and, mentioned how they were kind of like outside the box hirings, the second European GM, the second assistant uh, general manager. That's a female. Uh, This is a little bit more old boys club, but Pat Verbeek has cut his teeth in a front office for the past 16 years with, or 12 years, excuse me, uh, with Steve Eiserman in Tampa and now in Detroit. He learned from one of the best in the league we have right now in in Stevie Y on how to run a team. So Anaheim uh, appears to be getting their guy, or they just officially announced it actually. uh, They've got their guy at general manager after the Bob Murray situation. Yeah, yeah, Verbeek's definitely been – he's been grinding through the front offices in, in the last few decades, had a pretty lengthy NHL career, and you, you said it exactly, Chris. If you're going to learn from anyone in the front office of an NHL in the last decade, Stevie Y is absolutely the number one guy to learn from. So I think if you're Anaheim, you you, you got to be happy with this guy coming in, and he's inheriting a, a really great young team that has shown a lot of promise and has – They've seemingly arrived a little bit sooner than everyone else expected. So uh, a great hire, hopefully for Anaheim. And uh, I mean, I, I base it mostly off just the fact you work with Stevie Y for so long, you're bound to learn a lot from him. And, and he's probably the best mentor for a front office position that you could have in the NHL right now. Yeah, definitely interesting to see the contrast between Vancouver and Anaheim and their decision-making uh, from the top down, but um, definitely, I mean, a, a safe hire in that he's just, been in the game for so long he's a two-time cup champion uh just been involved in the nhl over the last 36 years so 
just kind of inheriting, like you said, a, a really great young team that's fighting for a division title right now. So uh, he's landed himself in a pretty nice situation and we'll see where he goes from here. Yeah, they should be a fun team to watch in the future. And um, the future, the Trevor Zegers' NHL career kind of lays in his hands. So as American hockey fans, we're definitely tuned into that um, as the young American star. Were you guys on the podcast? We talked about he did the the Michigan in stride. I mean, I don't think I was on that one, but that was crazy. That was crazy. Just an insane goal. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Um, The last thing I wanted to mention before we head out, uh, the U.S. women's team started off their Olympic tournament this morning. They won 5-2 to two over Finland. Finland's, Finland's the number three team in the world, uh, and they put on a pretty good beat, and they were up 4 nothing in the second period, and the shots were 26-6. to six. Uh, they, they, they put the beat down on them. Uh, Finland's starting goalie, I believe, is injured. Uh, she's regarded as the best goalie on the planet, uh, and she used to play at the University of Minnesota. Um, injured, not at the tournament, so that obviously takes away from them. But this is a two-horse race again. Uh, and, uh, between Canada and the U S and unfortunately for the Americans, Brianna Decker got hurt. I don't know if you guys saw this stretchered off the ice uh, in crutches and out of the tournament, she's not going to return. So that's a tough blow for the U S but a good, good start uh, for sure to get that five, two, one under their belts. Yeah. Great start. Go team USA. I completely forgot that the Olympics were starting today. Do we know <laughs> when are, have the opening ceremonies already happened? Did I, I don't those? know. The- I think opening ceremonies tomorrow. Okay. okay. That's what I care about. I love watching the opening and closing ceremonies. So yeah. thank God I didn't miss that. Completely forgot they were starting today. Yeah. Especially, I mean, the last Olympic ceremony that was like the, I mean, I think Beijing, like in 2008, had like one of the coolest yeah. opening yeah. ceremonies of all time. So now we get another one just 14 years later, which is kind of insane. But um, yeah, very excited to watch some Olympic hockey. Um, women's going for their, uh, their second straight gold medal, right? Yes. They won in 2018 on the, the penalty shot. Yeah, so they're the team to beat. Um, should be fun to watch. And obviously the men are going to have a much harder task. But uh, definitely it'll be fun to see some 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 international hockey in the, in the grandest stage. Uh, yeah. I was going to ask, do you want to talk about that that rumor about the uh, Winter Classic? Repeat it. <laughs> no, I don't. You don't. Bruins Flyers at Fenway is the rumor. And I'm, I'm disgusted. I am. What about am. our ideas, though? I thought we had good ideas. You had I a great had idea. That would only be great for me and you. <laughs> Right. to play right. Islanders Rangers at the Yale Bowl in mm-hmm. New Haven, which would be great for you and I. And would I mean, there's so, there so many hockey play, or hockey fans in Connecticut. I think a lot of people would get a, a lot out of it. Yeah, I know, but a lot of Bruins fans. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, Islanders Rangers in Central Park has been a rumor for 10 years now. They need and to make at this that point, happen. I don't know. They need I, to it make has that to happen. happen. Like I, the Lake I, Tahoe. You don't even need to build stands. Just build a rink. You can yeah, do that. Yeah, but they did the Lake Tahoe thing because they couldn't have fans. Yeah, but yeah, it was cool. So make it, so keep it going. How Good could they? That was the one thing that got exposed when there was no fans. It was like, oh my god, wait, we can have these at such cool locations. We don't have to worry about building stands. Yep. I would watch I, a Rangers Islanders game at Central Park if there's no fans. That'd be so cool. And by the way, be. they don't have to build stands. We could take the train and walk to Central Park. Oh, yeah, and we'll just stand, stand outside the fence. Yeah, yeah, I'd do that. And You'd be like yeah, really like, far away, probably. <laughs> yeah, probably really far away, but like. Just the atmosphere of having that in the middle of the city, I think, would be so cool. That would be awesome. Um, but I've been a fan of that. For, by the way, it's Bruins Penguins, not Bruins Flyers. My apologies. Bruins Penguins. Still not great. Um, yeah, the Western Conference teams had a nice little run there. <laughs> and now it's over. <laughs> but, oh, well. I'm, I'm for Edmonds and Calgary at the CFL Stadium. I'm, at, I'm, for, I'm for every cool one you can think of and no more 
No more Bruins. No more Flyers. No more Blackhawks. I'm I'm done. I'm not what about in a dome. We haven't seen it in a dome. I mean, like obviously and then that kind of defeats the purpose. I know, but it's just playing like, a dome every night. Right, but it's a bigger atmosphere. I don't know. It's like it's Play like it at Jerry's World in, in Texas. Exactly. That's interesting. That's pretty cool. That's a, that is interesting. The Rose Bowl is the one I want to see. That also, like cool. they had it in Dallas two years ago. Yeah, they had that. They did oh, have yeah. it in the Cotton Bowl. Oh, yeah. yeah. Rose Bowl is definitely one I want to see. That's, Rose Bowl would be sick. That's that'd be very cool. And I am very excited for the eventual Kraken one because I think those fans will rock whether they yes. do the Seattle, whether they do the, the Mariners or the the Seahawks. Hopefully they do the Seahawks. I think the fans there will will absolutely rock that house mm-hmm. for the eventual Kraken one. I think they'll be very cool. But yeah, that's uh, listen to us. What's up? Only the NHL would listen to us. We have some. Great I know ideas. we have such great ideas. They truly listen to our forty five minute podcast every week. Exactly. Uh, which is now over. So thank you very much uh, for listening. All-Star break is this weekend. Enjoy the festivities out in Vegas. We'll be back with a recap of that next week. Uh, For Thomas Quigley, Tyler Rooney, producer James Burrell, I'm Chris Hennessy. We'll talk to you then.